finding contentment at the bottom of the scale of human beings, unquote. Looking for an example of the world's most downtrodden, pathetic, desperately poor savages, quote-unquote, Malthus cited, quote, the wretched inhabitants of Tierra del Fuego, unquote, who had been judged by European travelers to be, quote, at the bottom of the scale of human beings, unquote. Just 30 years later, Charles Darwin was in Tierra del Fuego observing these same people. He agreed with Malthus concerning the Fuegians, writing in his journal, quote, I believe if the world was searched, no lower grade of man could be found. Unquote. As chance would have it, Captain Robert Fitzroy of the Beagle, the ship in which Darwin was sailing, had picked up three young Fuegians on an earlier voyage and brought them back to England to introduce them to the glories of British life and a proper Christian education. Now, after they'd experienced firsthand the superiority of civilized living, Fitzroy was returning them to their own people to serve as missionaries. The plan was for them to show the Fuegians the folly of their savage ways, quote-unquote, and help them join the civilized world. But just a year after Jemmy, York, and Fuegia had been returned to their people at Woolia Cove, near the base of what is now called Mount Darwin, the Beagle and her crew returned to find the huts and gardens of the British sailors had built for the three Fuegians deserted and overgrown. Eventually, Jemmy appeared and explained that he and other Christianized Fuegians had reverted to their former way of living. Darwin, overcome with sadness, wrote in his journal that he'd never seen, quote, so complete and grievous a change, and that it was painful to behold him, unquote. They brought Jemmy aboard the ship and dressed him for dinner at the captain's table, much relieved to see that he at least remembered how to use a knife and fork properly. Captain Fitzroy offered to bring him back to England, but Jemmy declined, saying he had, quote, not the least wish to return to England, as he was happy and contented with plenty fruits, plenty fish, and plenty birdies. Remember the Yucatan, what looks like even extreme poverty, quote, the bottom of the scale of human beings, unquote, may contain unrecognizable forms of wealth. Recall the quote-unquote starving Australian Aboriginal people, happily roasting low-fat rats and noshing on juicy grubs as revolted Englishmen looked on, certain they were witnessing the last demented spasms of starvation. When we start 
the tribalizing, peeling away the cultural conditioning that distorts our vision. Wealth and poverty, quote-unquote, may reveal themselves where we at least expect to find them. The Selfish Meme Nasty? Richard Dawkins, author of The Selfish Gene, coined the term meme to refer to a unit of information that can spread through a community via learning or imitation the way a favored gene is replicated through reproduction. Just as egalitarianism and resource and risk-sharing memes are favored in the prehistoric environment, the shellfish Rather, the selfishness meme has flourished in most of the post-agricultural world. Even so, no less an authority on economics than Adam Smith insisted that sympathy and compassion come to human beings as naturally as self-interest. The faulty assumption that scarcity-based economic thinking is somehow the de facto human approach to questions of supply, demand, and distribution of wealth has misled much anthropological, philosophical, and economic thought over the past few centuries. As economist John Gowdy explains, rational economic behavior is peculiar to market capitalism and is an embedded set of beliefs, not an objective universal law of nature. The myth of economic man explains the organizing principle of contemporary capitalism, nothing more or less. Unquote. Homo economicus. Quote, we have, we have agreed with which we have agreed, unquote. Society by Eddie Vedder. Many economists have forgotten or never understood that their central organizing principle, homo economicus, a.k.a. economic man, is a myth rooted in assumptions that about human nature, not a bedrock truth upon which to base a durable economic philosophy. When John Stuart Mill proposed what he admitted to be, quote, an arbitrary definition of man as a being who inevitably does that by which he may obtain the greatest amount of necessaries, conveniences, and luxuries with the smallest quantity of labor and physical self-denial, unquote, it's doubtful he expected his, quote, arbitrary definition, unquote, to delimit economic thought for centuries. Recall Rousseau's words, quote, If I had had to choose my place of birth, I would have chosen a state in which everyone knew everyone else, so that neither the obscure tactics of vice nor the modesty of virtue 
could have escaped public scrutiny and judgment. Unquote. Those who proclaim that greed is simply part of human nature too often leave context unmentioned. Yes, greed is part of human nature, but so is shame. And so is generosity. Not just toward genetic relatives. When, econo when economists base their models on their fantasies of an quote-unquote economic man, motivated only by self-interest, they forget community, the all-important web of meaning we spin around each other, the inescapable context within which anything truly human has taken place. One of the most cited thought experiments in game theory and econom economics is called the Prisoner's Dilemma. It presents such an elegant and simple model of reciprocity, some scientists refer to it as the E. coli of social psychology. Here's how it works. Imagine that two suspects are arrested, but the police don't have enough evidence for a conviction. After the prisoners were separated, each gets the same offer. If you testify against your partner and he remains silent, you'll go free, and he'll get the full 10-year sentence. If he fesses up, but you don't, you'll do the time while he walks free. If neither of you talks, you'll both get six months. If you both talk, you'll both do five years. Each prisoner must choose to snitch or remain silent. Each is told the other won't know about his decision. How will the prisoners respond? In the classic form of the game, participants almost always betray one another, as each sees the benefit of quick betrayal, talk first, and walk away free. But take that theoretical conclusion to a prison anywhere in the world and ask what happens to rats. Theory finally caught up to reality when scientists decided to let players gain experience with the game and see whether their behavior changed over time. As Robert Axelrod explains the evolution of cooperation in the book, players soon learned that they had a better chance if they kept quiet and assumed that their partner would do the same. If their partner talked, he acquired a bad reputation and was punished in a tit-for-tat pattern. For example, those players with a more altruistic approach flourished, while those who acted only on their individual short-term interest met serious problems. A shiv in the shower, maybe. The classic interpretation of the experiment took another blow when psychologist, psychologist Gregory S. Burns and his colleagues decided to monitor female players with an MRI machine. Burns et al. were expecting to find that subjects would react most strongly to being cheated. When one tried to cooperate and the other snitched. But that's not what they found. The results really surprised us, Bernie told Natalie Angrier of the New York Times. The brain responded most energetically to acts of cooperation. The brightest signals arose in cooperative alliances and in those neighborhoods of the brain already known to respond to desserts, pictures of pretty faces, money, cocaine, 
and any number of illicit and illicit delights. Analyzing the brain scans, Burns and his team found that when the women cooperated, two parts of the brain, both responsive to dopamine, were activated. The anteroventral striatum and the orbital orbitofrontal cortex. Both regions are involved in impulse control, compulsive behavior, and reward processing. Though surprised by what his team found, Burns found comfort in it. Quote, it's reassuring, he said. In some ways, it says that we are wired to cooperate with each other. 